the individual investor show. You bought it all, don't you? You hear one thing, they all need money. Now let's see if they're brave enough to earn it. Hello, and welcome to the Individual Investor Show. My name is Jennifer Shear, your host for this afternoon. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you all had a wonderful week. Understanding how to successfully dive into the fixed income atmosphere during an inflationary period can be overwhelming, especially if you don't know where to start. But don't get discouraged because this may be the best time to find bond and preferred stock opportunities. We decided to consult an expert on the subject to fully understand what he's been noticing the last few months as interest rates have consistently been rising. Tonight's event is the Individual Investor Show, Risks and Opportunities in Fixed Income When Rates Are Going Up. So for this episode, we had the pleasure of sitting down with Matthew Krauss to discuss his latest article in the AAII journal, Fixed Income Risks and Opportunities in a Rising Rate Environment. In his article, he discusses the principles of duration, also known as interest rate risk, credit risk, and the yield curve. He also touches on close-end fund preferreds and bond funds to help the individual investor navigate the rising rate environment with ease. But before we jump in, I do want to preface tonight's presentation by reminding our viewers that AAII is a nonprofit educational group and is not a financial advisor, and thus is not able to give personal advice. Every investor is different. That's why our goal with each broadcast and article is to educate you on how to make better financial decisions. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy our presentation. All right. So first off, I'd like to welcome you, and I, I really appreciate you joining me today uh, You know, and taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, answer some questions about your article. Yeah, thank you, Jenna. And uh, you know, um, I'd like to ask you, what motivated you to write an article about risks and opportunities in a rising interest rate environment? Sure. Um, for the first time in years, I think there's some good um, yield, attractive yields and good investing opportunities in fixed income, uh, bonds and preferreds. So I think now is a great time to consider adding fixed income to your portfolio. Um, I, I would say, though, at the same time, with the potential for further rate increases, it's important for investors to understand duration and credit risk um, so that they realize, you know, what kind of risk they have in their investments. Makes sense. And um, are, I wanted to ask you also, you know, are you an income investor yourself? And then what, what experience do you have with the subject? I am an income investor. Um, I, uh, and, and I've been putting more of my money into fixed income as I'm getting closer to retirement age. Um, and I have 15 years of experience at a hedge fund that invested in um, income-oriented securities, including close-end mutual funds, preferreds, and other uh, retail-oriented, income-oriented securities like mortgage REITs and master limited partnerships. So I have quite a bit of experience. I'm also a chartered financial analyst so I've studied this, um, you know, over many years, and I also teach uh, finance at Westminster College. Oh, great. That's awesome. So you're the right person to ask. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh, you know, for our viewers, so I did want to ask you, you know, you start your article off with, um, you know, talking about duration. So I wanted to, if you could give us a little bit of background, um, and, that, you know, it's also known as interest rate risk for some that may not uh, use the term duration. But, if, yeah, if you can give some little bit of background so that, um, you know, our viewers know what it is. Sure. And 
I, I'm sure most of your viewers know this already, but just as a little review, um, as as interest rates go up, bond prices go down, and the basic the basic idea behind that is, say, I own a bond that pays five percent interest rates, and then market rates go up to six percent. Well, why would someone want to buy my bond that pays five when market rates are six? And so the price of my bond is going to go down to reflect that. Um, conversely, if rates go down, the price of my bond goes up. Like if, if rates go down from five to four, then my 5% bond looks pretty good. People will pay me more for it. And so there's an inverse relationship between bond prices and interest rates. And duration tells you what the sensitivity of that is. So if you have, say, a duration of five on your bond or preferred, um, any fixed income investment, CD, whatever, um, if a if the rate goes up 1%, then with a duration of five, your bond price will go down 5%. And so it tells you like how much that movement is. And conversely, if rates go down, your bond price will go up. And so it's, it's a measure of risk on both sides. For those who are stock investors, it's like a beta. It's like a beta for bonds. Duration is the beta of bonds. And um, it's important to know um, it's important to know duration because it will tell you like how much, you know, how much your bond or even bond mutual fund will change as rates go up. And so um, it gives you a measure like, you know, say, say rates go up one or 2% this year, like how much might I lose on my bond or bond portfolio? Now this, you know, if you're owning a bond, you might say, well, I'm going to get paid back at maturity anyway. So I, I don't really care about short-term fluctuations, but it's, you don't want to, you don't want to own a bond and senior portfolio that is like down 10%, you know, over the year. Um, and so, yes, if you hold a bond maturity, you will not lose money on it, but um, duration tells you like, you know, in the interim, like how much could you make or lose in terms of the price of that bond? That's good to know. And that gives us, uh, you know, our viewers a little bit of background before, you know, we kind of delve into the subject of, um, you know, um, duration and interest risk, rate risk and everything. Um, so I guess uh, as a kind of a follow-up, you kind of answered this already, but how can investors use duration as a risk measure? And then as a follow-up to that, is there anything that they should be, you know, they should consider or be aware of? Yeah. Now, um, um, one thing that many investors may not know is you can get the, uh, even if you just own bond mutual funds, you can get the duration off their websites. And so, you can know like how risky is it that I own these bond mutual funds? Like how much might they go down? Um, so it tells you a measure of risk. And then if you're wanting to manage risk, then um, then you 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 want to keep your durations low. Or or you know if you think oh I think you know maybe rates will go down, then you you might be willing to take on more duration risk and have higher durations because as, as rates go down, the value of your bonds will go up. Um, let's see, did I, uh, do, do, do. did I answer that question? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I guess, is, is there anything that they should be aware of or consider, um, in, in relation to, you know, using duration as a risk measure? Oh, yeah, I would just, oh, one other thing is in, 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 in setting duration, it's mostly determined by maturity. So if you want to keep your interest rate low, risk low, your duration low. Primarily, you want to own low, 
short maturity bonds. Okay, bonds that will mature, you know, in, in like a few years. Um, but it's also set by high coupon. So uh, it's also determined by coupon size. So the higher the coupon you have, the lower duration you tend to have. And so if you want to minimize your duration risk, um, look for shorter maturity bonds or shorter maturity bond funds and bonds that have higher coupons. So those are two things, key things to know in, in managing that risk. That's good to be aware of. And, um, you know, in your article, uh, you know, you use, uh, so I just wanted to ask, so, but you talk about credit risk and, you know, for bonds or preferred stocks. So what is credit risk? And, um, you know, how should investors use credit risk to evaluate a potential investment before they buy? Yeah, great question. Credit risk is essentially the risk that you don't get paid back. And, you know, most exemplified, like if you have a bankruptcy where, um, like the government or corporation that you're lending to um, doesn't pay you back. And I'll share a little table um, that's, in, that's in the paper, if that's in the article, um, but um, cr credit risk is most easily characterized through ratings. Um, and so in here, we have uh, ratings, say, say we talk about S&P, It'll have like ratings from AAA, which is very, very high quality, extremely low credit risk to getting into the Bs and Cs and actually ones that are in default. And so um, these ratings give you a good measure of credit risk and, um, and like minimal, you can see like from this table that if you're sort of in this green investment grade area that, um, that bankruptcy risk on these securities is very low, particularly if you're looking at one year, um, the risk, this is all percent, so 0.23%, that's a very low risk. It does increase as you go up in time, um, more bad things can happen. So um, as, as, as you increase, um, like say, if you look over seven years, um, default risk increases, but it's you can characterize it through this table and, um, and that's something you can manage. And I normally, um, I, I will look at various credit risks, but for most investors, I think um, they should mostly stick with investment grade um, fixed income securities that have lower credit risk. So they don't have to worry about a default in the company. Actually kind of a personal question, but um, as far as junk bonds, how, how do people, how do investors like come across junk bonds or how do they, um, how, you know, what kinds of things should they look for um, other than credit risk so that they can weed out those and actually focus on the investment grade? Now, most, uh, most screeners, like if you go to a broker, you can have a, you'll have a screener and they'll have like um, investment rating as one of the screen elements. And so um, you can come across junk bonds if you're looking for them, but I think mostly, um, like say Fidelity Screener, will default to investment grade. And that's something basically you can choose in the screener when you're looking for bonds. And um, in terms of what to look out for, I think, I think most investors should stay away from individual high yield bonds unless they're an expert on a company. Um, and uh, it, there are other ways to get that kind of exposure if they want to buy like high yield bond funds where they have a manager kind of evaluate those kind of risks. 
then. That makes sense. Thank you for answering. I appreciate that. And, um, you know, and also I wanted to ask, you know, um, are there any potential risks or exceptions when it comes to evaluating credit risk? Yeah, so I would say that um, a couple things on credit risk. Uh, do, 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 do. Oh, yeah, one thing I did want to mention about credit risk is that I normally go with the invest with the ratings, but also use your own common sense. Okay, so if a stock's had really bad news and is trading down, you might look to see what that news is and not just depend, oh, that it has an investment grade credit rating. I'll give you a recent example. Um, like 3M just had has had recent lawsuits that may result in huge liabilities for them. They do have a nice investment grade rating, but I would I would think twice before buying their bonds, knowing that they have these huge legal liabilities that are potentially facing them. So that's where you can combine a little bit of your own common sense, looking at the company and what's going on with, with the um, ratings from the ratings agencies. And then in terms of, um, there are exceptions when you may wanna take on credit risk. If, if, you, if you are an expert on a company and you believe that it's solid and its bonds are trading way, way low, which typically when investors are worried about bankruptcy, then the bonds can trade much lower then um, that gives you an opportunity to earn like very high yields and some price appreciation. So if you're an expert on a company and you think it'll manage okay, then um, you could take on the credit risk of that company if you're comfortable with it. Another uh, idea on credit risk is sometimes like when you have these panics, market panics, like the COVID crisis or um, the financial crisis, like high yield bonds can trade extremely low and they'll trade at a high, extremely high spread to treasuries. So you might, you know, you might be earning, you know, 12% on a high yield bond versus treasury paying like 3%. In those, in those cases, you might decide to take on credit risk because you earn such a higher spread and there's opportunity for the prices of those bonds to recover. In that case, you could buy say like a high yield bond fund and um, kind of take advantage if you think, oh, the recession or market drop is like too much, the recession's not going to be as bad as thought, the economy will come out okay, then you might choose to invest in high yield bonds. Otherwise, um, otherwise, I generally seek to minimize that kind of risk. That makes sense. And um, in your article, you know, you state that the smart fixed income investor seeks to maximize return while taking the least amount of risk, like you just mentioned. Can you expand on this a little bit? Yeah. So, um, I mean, for any investments, it's ideal if you can earn a high return with low risk. And um, as in fixed income investors, we can measure our risk now using the concept of duration and credit risk. And so, I mean, I, th I think once we have these understood and know what they are, then um, buying bonds is like doing comparison price shopping. You're basically, you know, for, for a given amount of credit and interest rate or duration risk, we're looking for the highest yield. And then you simply, you know, go in and, and say, oh, this looks like, this looks like the best buy for this amount of risk. So why is price comparison shopping really important in a rising interest rate environment? I think it's important in any environment, but especially important in a rising rate environment, because 
because you can get some really good deals, some really high rates um, with taking much lower levels of risk. And if you like, I can kind of uh, illustrate that with the yield curve. I'll pull up a treasury yield curve. Um, just a second. So this is a treasury yield curve and it's the cost of the US government to borrow money. Um, and so it's and it's given by maturity. So for example, uh, the government borrowing money at one year, um, you get pay uh, pays about 3.8%, just under, which is actually kind of similar to what it pays at 20 years. And you as a bond buyer, this is what you get paid when you buy US Treasury bonds. Okay. Um, so from the yield curve, for example, you can see, oh, you know, if I buy a one-year US Treasury bond, that would be a very low duration because it's a very short maturity. I can get a much higher yield than, than if I bought a 10-year treasury bond. I'm in almost the same yield from buying a 20-year treasury bond. So if you're worried about interest rate risk and wanted but wanted to get pay a high return, you could buy bonds in this one to three year area. And so this, um, this is just one example of doing comparison shopping where you can earn a high yield without taking very much risk. And so kind of, uh, you know, as a follow up, you know, what, what would make someone, you know, looking at this yield curve, what would make someone, um, you know, wait and want to do the 10 year, the 20 year, if they would, you know, almost make the same returns at the one year or three year mark? Um, no, that's a great question. And um, there is an explanation for this. And um, it gets into, and this is actually another use of the yield curve for, um, kind of evaluating the economy. But uh, yield curves normally go up, you know, slope up, you know, like if, if you're going to lend money for a longer period of time, you expect a higher return. But in this case, it the yield curve has a negative slope in this middle here, and that's, that's called an inversion. And when that happens, um, bond, some bond investors think that like the Fed after it raises rates is eventually gonna to have to cut rates. And so um, investors are buying some of these longer duration bonds with the thought that eventually the Fed is gonna to have to cut rates. And, and again, if you remember, if you, if you have a high duration bond and rates go down, you make a bunch of money. And so really the fact that this curve goes negative is an indication that bond investors think that the Fed's eventually gonna have to cut rates. And so that in the future, they can make money. And this goes into the yield curve, turns out to be a predictor for recessions. So when the yield curve inverts like this, um, where say like I use the 210, the difference between the two and the 10, if the 10 is higher than the two, if the two-year yield, which is 3.75, is higher than the 10-year yield, which is 3.4, that's been a very good indicator of recessions, uh, uh, like predictor. And, and recessions usually come like six months to two years after that um, first inversion. And so um, with, with this yield curve, we can see that 
it's indicating there's a good likelihood there'll be a recession in the future. And um, with the recession, you normally get the Fed decreasing interest rates. And so that's, that, that's kind of where, uh, that's why some investors are actually owning this 10-year treasury bond when it doesn't look like a good deal at all. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? There are different spreads that they look at. Like you can use six months and 10 years and other things. But it's, historically, it's been shown the two-year and 10-year has been a very good indicator of recession. So that's what I use. And by the way, um, the two-year, 10-year first inverted in March. And so um, we could have a recession coming any time in the next couple of years based off that indicator. Um, but in terms of um, like us looking at this, uh, like for investing, like if you wanted to, like for me, if, I, if I'm worried about interest rate risk, I would probably go like one to three years. If I'm really worried, I'd go with the one-year bond. You don't have much risk and you're getting high, the highest amount. If I'm not really sure, where rates are going, they may go up, they may go down. Maybe I'd want to lock in a good three-year return. So maybe I'd buy the three-year. Now, um, if you thought, oh, like we're going to go into recession and rates are going to go back down, then I think actually the 20-year is a good deal because you're getting, you're getting a much higher rate than the 10. It does have a lot of duration. Um, and so it will benefit if uh, rates eventually do decline. So this is kind of a way to look at like what you might want to buy on the yield curve, depending on your view of like future interest rates. That's good. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so, you know, you mentioned the two-year and the 10-year uh, yield spread. Um, why do other, uh, you know, different economists, uh, you know, track different, um, you know, yield parts of the yield curve? Is there, is there other reasons? And, and, and also you mentioned that you use the two and 10. Is there other reasons that you haven't mentioned that you use that spread? Um, I, you know, I, I'm not an economist, and so I think certain um, certain measures may may give you like an earlier warning sign or other things. I just use the two two to ten because from what I've seen, it's been the most historically accurate. But there are various um, there are various uh, spreads you can look at, and I think they're overall they're they're all generally pretty accurate. Good to know. And, um, you know, I also, you know, wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, in the final portion of your article, you discuss close end preferreds. So I wanted to get a little bit background on what they are and then, um, you know, what opportunities do they offer investors? Okay, yeah, close end fund preferreds are, are interesting. They're actually, um, they're the preferred stocks of closed end mutual funds. So um, close, some closed end mutual funds borrow money to make further investments, and some of them will issue preferreds. And uh, what's interesting about them is they generally have high investment grade ratings. Now the fund itself may not own like, they just may own stocks and stuff that's not generally viewed as safe, but those preferreds tend to have high asset coverage ratios. And so, you know, they'll generally have a dollar of, of um, equity for every dollar they borrow. And so essentially, the preferreds are almost guaranteed to get paid back because the NAV on those mutual funds essentially have to go to zero before 
before you experience any losses as the preferred shareholder. So they generally have, you know, higher investment grade ratings where credit risk is not as much of an issue. Um, and they're, they're somewhat interesting now because, um, and these, by the way, they trade with a $25 par value. So, um, whereas bonds are normally a hundred. So they trade with a $25 par value and many of them are trading well below their par values right now because rates have gone up. Um, these do tend to have high durations. So they're very sensitive interest rates. And so there are opportunities in what I call busted preferreds where you're buying a preferred that was issued at 25 bucks, but maybe trading at 18 or 20 bucks and um, offering you know attractive yields. And so you have the opportunity to earn that attractive yield. And if rates ever decline, you can get some nice capital appreciation on these. Now, I, would, I will warn you that the durations on these are high. So if rates keep going up, the prices of these could keep going down quite a bit. But at some point, um, you know, like say when a, for, for me, and historically it's been around 7%, um, so a, lot of, a lot of these are trading around 6%. But at some point when I'm happy with the yield that I'm getting and I know I have fairly low credit risk, I'm happy just to step in there and buy and take on the price risk. Um, and so, you know, if I'm getting say that 7% yield and I'm happy with that kind of return over time, I'll step in and buy those preferreds. And then I am, I'm, I am taking the price risk, but I find if, if I think it's a good deal, you know, eventually at some point interest rates decline and I actually, not only can earn that return, but also get some appreciation, like maybe have the preferred trade up from 18 to say like 20 or $22. That makes sense. And, um, you know, it, you mentioned, you know, in regards to shopping around for the right bond, um, you recommend that investors check trade data and third party pricing. Why is this exactly? Um, yeah, with bonds, it's not as a, uh, clear-cut market as for stocks. Stocks, you can see the price it trades on the exchange. Um, bonds are not exchange traded. And so um, you can get large markups from either the market maker or your broker. And so um, you basically, you don't, you need to know what the fair market value or fair price of the bond is so you don't get cheated, essentially. Um, this is especially true like for corporate bonds and municipal bonds. Um, sometimes, uh, like your broker will charge you one or two dollars more than what they're actually worth. Um, I mean, you should expect some transaction fee. Um, I, you know, generally when, and, and this is on a hundred dollars par, so, you know, that could be like a one or two percent cost, which you really shouldn't be paying. Um, I, you know, Fidelity charges ten cents per bond. And kind of with marking, make it making transactions like bid ask spreads and stuff. Say on a corporate bond, you know, I'm I'm willing to see. Say maybe I lose, you know, maybe I buy it and I'm down like thirty cents type thing, like because of Fidelity's charge and maybe a little bit of bid ask spread. Um, but you definitely don't want to be overpaying by by a dollar or two. So you, so definitely checking the trade data is important um, when you're buying bonds. It's interesting. I didn't actually, I didn't know that you, uh, yeah, you have to be kind of cognizant of where you're trading your bonds and, you know, making sure that you're not, you know, incurring those fees. Yeah, it's, it's really important, especially, I, I don't talk about municipal bonds, but th those are especially important because they're, they're even much less traded than corporate bonds. 
Um, and so, um, so yeah, but yeah, you have to be a little careful there. And um, I was going to ask you, you know, in, in volatile, you know, high interest rate environments, you know, what recommendations or warnings would you give to fixed income investors, you know, looking to get into preferreds or bonds? I would just say, um, be sure to understand the risks. And um, there are some great buying opportunities, some great yields, but you have to be comfortable with the duration risk you're taking. You know, the fact that if, oh, if I'm buying a bond or preferred with high duration, that I have to be able to will, willing to stomach that the price of this could go down quite a bit if rates keep going up and uh, just be comfortable that, oh, I, that I like the, the, the coupon rate that I'm getting from the bond and that I'm, you know, comfortable with taking on that kind of risk. Otherwise, um, you know, look for stuff with shorter durations where you can still get a good yield and not take on too much risk. Those are great suggestions. And, um, you know, I always ask, um, you know, whenever I'm interviewing someone, I ask them, you know, because even if you're an expert or you have, you know, tons of experience in a subject, it's always, I feel, I find that a lot of people learn something from, you know, doing, doing even additional research for the article. So I wanted to ask you, did you learn anything new about the subject while conducting research and writing this article? I did, you know, I didn't realize like how inverted the yield curve had gotten <laughs> and that, and that, um, you know, there were some good, like, you know, really good short-term bonds that I could buy. Um, and it's the first time in years, you know, I've been buying bonds and I'm like, oh, I like the, you know, I get, I'm getting a paid a good return and I'm taking, you know, very low risk. Um, and, you know, while I was thinking that, uh, one thing I wanted to show you, I think I forgot to show is, um, I, I also saw this kind of like nice, uh, as I, I was looking into buying bonds and researching, um, and I think several brokers have this, Fidelity has this nice thing where you can do your comparison price shopping and sort of look at, oh, like where, you know, what kind of yields can I get for different types of risk? Like here it gives different types of bonds, corporate, municipal. Oh, I'm not, sh I'm not sharing yet, sorry. So let me share. So here, like Fidelity has this nice table of bonds with like, um, like from CDs to treasury bonds, to corporate bonds, to municipal bonds. And you can see for different types of credit risk, again, like the, the A's and triple A's are the lowest type risk. Um, and then for different types of maturities, like what kind of yields you can get. And here you can do the comparison price shopping, um, like seeing like, for example, here, uh, like noticing, oh, that, U.S. Treasuries are paying like a nice rate and very very competitive versus the other stuff, for, while being very safe, like low credit risk. And you even get, um, you even get uh, they're free from state income tax. So like you know over the shorter term, like these Treasuries look like you know one of the best deals. And then, and then like looking for myself, I'm not saying this applies to other investors. Saying as I get into like five or 10 years, you can see, oh, these some of these corporate bonds look kind of interesting where I could maybe earn like six to seven to 8% from buying in some of these um, investment grade corporate bonds. And so, yes, yeah, some things I learned about the kind of inverted yield curve and some of the tools that brokers have that let you do this comparison price shopping. And then of course here, like you can click into any of these um, 
you can click into any of these and it'll show you the bonds that are available. And so there, there again, you can do um, comparison price shopping there. And so, um, yeah, those, those are a couple of useful things that I learned from uh, working on this article. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really good to see. And I, I feel like that's a good con like for investors to conceptually see, you know, if what, you know, if, if they want to take on more risk, if they want to, you know, buy, you know, uh, different, you know, maturity bonds. So that's really good to see. Um, and then I also wanted to ask you, you know, what is one important takeaway that you want your readers to think about or consider after reading your article? I'm going to sort of go back to the beginning is that I think this is a great time to consider adding fixed income to your portfolio. Um, and uh, but as you do so, you need to think about duration and credit risk um, and what you're willing to take. But um, I think there are a lot of great opportunities now, as long as you're um, smart about managing your risk. And, you know, at, at AAII, we always, you know, make sure to tell, you know, our members, you know, make sure to do due diligence and, you know, conduct your own research, you know, before making any, you know, decisions on whether you want to go into a certain security or, you know, buy anything, um, especially if you're, you know, uh, if you're, if you're just getting into something. So it's, it's great to hear and everything that, you know, and uh, yeah, no, I, that's all my questions for now. Uh, I really appreciate going into your article. I, I think it really brings a lot of light to uh, you know, just you cover so many subjects. So I wanted to make sure that we delved into each one so that, you know, we could give our investors a little bit more color into the in, into the very, very complex uh, subjects, especially, um, you know, if, if someone hasn't gotten into bonds and preferreds before. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much. Awesome. Well, uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Uh, and yeah, thanks again. And uh, I hope you, uh, uh, and I hope everybody gets to read it. Awesome. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I want to thank Dr. Matthew Krauss for making time to chat with me today about his article. As a disclaimer, AAII recommends all investors conduct proper due diligence and research before investing. If you're looking for more information about investing in fixed income securities, we have an online community that is available to all AAII members where hundreds of people are discussing topics about the pros and cons of short-term bond funds, how to take advantage of dividends in bear markets, behavior on rising interest rates, and so much more. To participate in or read discussions as well as meet fellow income investors, visit community.aaii.com to learn more and join the income investing community. And as always, please remember to click the subscribe button if you'd like to be alerted of future II shows. You can always catch a replay of tonight's event on our YouTube channel and make sure to register for upcoming AAII events and webinars by visiting aaii.com webinars. And if you're an investor on the go and want to catch the II show while driving or going for your daily walk, you can now follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. Also, members can read Dr. Krause's article as well as so much more in the September issue of the AAII Journal by visiting aaii.com journal. And with that, we wish all of you viewing good health, good fortune, and a great afternoon. Thank you and happy investing. Also, members can read Dr. Krause's article as well as so much more in the September issue of the AAII Journal by visiting aaii.com journal. And with that, we wish all of you viewing good health, good fortune, and a great afternoon. Thank you all, and happy investing.